This is episode number 71 with your favorite, Adelan de Ponteves. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. So guys, welcome. There's no intro for this one because Adlan's right here. Hi guys, so glad to be back. Yeah, we're we're sitting in uh, Portugal in his apartment and uh, we are talking about AI today, right? Yeah, so exciting. We just finished the course and uh, now we're going to talk about AI yeah. because uh, we really went deep into it, right? Yeah, for sure. And Adlan's wearing his favorite baseball cap. Yes, backwards. that's right. I feel yeah. uh, so much more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wearing some funky glasses. So we're all set for today. And uh, yeah, the topic is artificial intelligence, and we're going to try and make it very simple, very accessible, especially for those who of you who are not like into the topic. And uh, the other thing I thought of, like just before this, I had a couple of guests talking about AI. Yes. And I thought like the students are going to be, listeners are going to be like, oh, cool. So one person about AI, second person about AI, third person about AI. And then we had a break. The previous episode was Carolyn McCall about recruitment, which is good. Okay. And now they're going to listen to this. They're going to be like, again, about AI again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't take it that way. We, we, AI is an important topic, right? It's an important topic. And besides, uh, yeah, as we said, we just finished the course. So yeah. we want to end on a good note about AI. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to like share, while the knowledge is fresh, share everything with you. Yes. And plus, like we'll make it as accessible as possible. So to give you like an intuitive and um, general overview of where the world's going in the space of artificial intelligence and, and you know, what we learned doing this course as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we learned a lot of stuff actually. Yeah, yeah. like, like yeah. you mentioned, it, it wasn't a course, a normal course for us. Yes, I was learning with the students. That's yeah. amazing, yeah. it was an amazing feeling. Yes, to be honest, uh, you know, this course was on a very recent topic on the state-of-the-art model. So uh, you know, I was reading the research papers, I was uh, getting informed. I didn't know all the models first because very simply, since they're very recent, I didn't study any of them uh, during my master of uh, research of machine learning. So I was very glad to learn about all this and especially with the students. So yeah, that was a great experience. Yeah, it was a very new experience, but a great one. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned that it was uh it was kind of like like doing a PhD for you. Yes. Because yeah? like you were doing all like, the coding, right? Exactly. And uh, it was exactly like doing research. Yeah. You know, uh, I, uh, I had an experience of research. It was uh, uh, working for a company, making a recommended system. And I spent my time reading some research papers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, studying the algorithm, trying to combine them. And here that was the same. I was reading the research papers to see uh, which model we will we would implement to solve some very challenging problems you know yeah. okay we were playing with games but uh, these were not uh, yeah, easy games for an ai so uh, yeah that was very challenging so i had to go deep into the research papers and uh, understand all this sometimes it's not very clear 
because you know you get no not much resource on it mm -hmm. so uh yes it was uh, a great experience it reminded me of research yeah yeah <laughs> for sure and uh, so so tell us a bit more you mentioned games like like people who haven't taken or even heard about this mm -hmm. course that we created why games like what's the point of creating ai for games yeah so the this is thanks to uh open ai gym mm. open ai gym is a website uh, launched by entrepreneurs like uh, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, right? Mm -hmm. And um, basically, they made such environments so that we can have some kind of benchmark for the AI models we implement. So that's uh, an all-made environment, and we basically only need to implement an AI to test it and see if it can solve the games. If there wasn't an OpenAI gym website, we would need to make the games ourselves. Like uh, we would need to make all the games, define the environment, maybe uh, do, uh, making some map, defining yeah. the action. Well, we're here, thanks to OpenAI, we don't have to do all these things. Everything is already well prepared, and uh, we have some code to pre-process the images. Yeah. So everything is already, uh, re you know, ready, and we just need to implement the AI. And that's so cool because we can just focus on what's most important. Yeah. But having said that, there is one module in the course. Yeah, I was about to say the, yeah. the self-driving car. Self-driving car. Yeah. yeah. There is no self-driving car on OpenAI Gym. Yeah. Because that's basically not a game. So we had to make this environment, and yeah. that was quite. Uh, heavy, yeah, heavy code, yeah. yeah. So especially if somebody goes into the course, if somebody listening like jumps into the course, it's the <laughs> first module. <laughs> it's the first module. Yeah, yes. we announced it as the last module yeah. because we thought it would be the most uh, challenging one. Yeah, but not at all. This is the most simple one, mm. and we're we're gonna explain why. And, and uh, like in all fairness, even though creating an environment is complex, you provide the code. So if somebody doesn't want to go through the tedious process of creating the environment, you can yes. just use your code and absolutely, and then just. Build the car from there. And besides, it is it is commented, yeah. so they can still understand the code if they want. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, cool. But like the, I want to return to my previous question. It's great that you know OpenAI Gym has these games available and so on. But tell us a bit more about why learning teaching AI to play games is a valuable skill. Like, how yes. can you use that in the real world? Because basically, the models we implement to solve games are the same models we will implement to solve real world business problems or even uh, any kind of general problems. Mm. Uh, that's what we say in the video, you know. Uh, we need an environment on which we can trade the AI on, and that's the games, that's all the games. But then the models, if they work on the games, well, they're very likely to work on, you know, real-world environments or real-world problems by only changing a few parameters. Mm -hmm. So that's why this is not only to have fun, because of course it is fun to play uh, some games with some AI, but also it's very useful for more real-world and useful problems. Yeah, for sure. And, and that is very well backed by an example, which I love, I personally love, and I've given a couple of times already. Mm. Um, the Google example, how they use their AI. So the same team that built AlphaGo, yes. they create an AI, you, like we can only speculate that they use similar concepts to optimize the electricity consumption in uh, one of Google's warehouses. Exactly. And they saved like 40% on energy consumption. Yes, that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. We can do amazing things with, with AI. And um, for example, the, the first module about the self-driving car, we implement some AI. And uh, I'm like 90% sure that we could use this AI for this electricity consumption optimization problem mm -hmm. by only changing a few parameters. Mm -hmm. Because we basically only need to change the actions, yeah. which is just, just you know a, a set of a couple of uh, numbers, uh, indexes, and we also need to change how the reward 
is uh, decided. You know, if, how we're going to attribute a good reward, a bad reward. We only need to change this, and then we don't have anything to change in the model. Maybe some parameters to tune it, but it's, it's very similar. Yep. So feel free to take the challenge if you want to. <laughs> that would be a very good practice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, imagine like that 40% decrease in energy consumption resulted in like 15% cutting uh, the electricity bill. Yes. Imagine cutting your electricity bill at home by 15% or <laughs> or being able to cut the electricity bill of your organization by 15% or or doing something similar like water consumption whatever. Like these optimization problems they're they're huge and when you get AI to do them they can uh, really save costs and improve efficiency in business. Yes, yes. And uh, there is another uh, pretty uh, exciting example, uh, you know, the um, JP Morgan uh, Bank, mm -hmm. they, um, <clears throat> they made an AI that uh, solved a specific task in one second, whereas this task was uh, solved by, uh, uh, you know, a hundred of lawyers in uh, 3000 hours or something like that. Wow. So it basically solved a problem in one second than they usually solved in 3000 3, hours. Wow. So that's another crazy example of what AI can do. That's pretty cool. I think, yeah. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay, so let's talk about reinforcement learning, right? Yes. The AI that we're working with, uh, exploring in our course, is reinforcement learning type of AI. Let's, let's get started. What, what is the first step that uh, we explain in this course? That is Q-learning. Q-learning. Q-learning is at the base of uh, reinforcement learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's try to explain in a few words what it is. Basically, Q-learning consists of learning a Q-value, we call it the Q-values, that sort of represents how well does an action in a specific state. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you, you have your environment, you're going to play an action to reach the next, the next state, and the Q-value represents how well this action did uh, by being played in the state. Mm -hmm. So, And then Q-learning, there is no... Uh, neural network yet because basically you just learn this Q function inside an equation which is the Bellman equation yeah and uh, and iteratively you come to a better Q value each time making better actions and therefore solving uh, the game or the goal you want to mm -hmm. achieve accomplish mm -hmm. so that's Q learning that's at the base and of course we go much uh, Further uh, than that. Further, yes. Yeah. Higher level. Yeah. So uh, just on Q-learning, I wanted to highlight a very important point here that what you said, iterative, right? Yes, iterative. Iteration is key here. Like AI cannot learn without having the ability to try things over and over and over again. That's right. And uh, yeah, so that's that's something you have to keep in mind. And especially it's it's good in these artificial environments or like virtual environments because you can afford to try as many times as you want. But then when you get to real life environments, when you have like self-driving cars in real life, that's why you see uh, like Google when they release a self-driving car, it doesn't just go on the streets right away. Mm -hmm. It has to drive for hours and hours. Even if when it's, they think it's doing good, it should still keep driving and getting Exactly, experience. because it has to explore yeah. and practice. Yeah, exactly. And exploration is another very, uh, very important principle of the reinforcement learning. For sure. Exploration and exploitation. Yeah, and we'll get to that yes. in, the, in a second as well. And actually on that note, I also really like the quote uh, from, I think it was Elon Musk or Tesla, and they said that the, the more you drive, the more we learn. Because the Tesla car, it has AI built into it, which is you know, like, it. it's not only, they're not only just integrating certain um, 
rules on how it should drive. It's actually learning from you driving. And that's mm-hmm. why Tesla, for instance, has a huge advantage, in my view, over companies like Google or what is it, Waymo. Now they, they call the Google self-driving cars are called Waymo. Mm-hmm. Uh, or other self-driving cars that are popping up here and there. Well, Tesla has this whole user base mm-hmm. of people who are driving and they're learning from them driving. So it's huge. They have the advantage of data. Yeah, yes. data. That's data an amazing and powerful advantage. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Um, and before we go on, just just to kind of like concrete this in, I think we may I have touched on this in a couple of other podcasts with other guests, but um, I'd like to for you to like reiterate this, that, that what's the difference between artificial intelligence, like reinforcement learning, and some other machine learning algorithm where, where things are like, uh, you know, the heuristical type of algorithms where things are like pre-coded into it? It's basically static. VS dynamic, mm-hmm. okay? Because, uh, for example, if we look at uh, the other models we made in the other course, well, most of the time we only had to make one prediction. Yep. You know, we had a, a data set. It learns the correlations on the data set or even some complex data sets like a, a bunch of images. And then we give him a test uh, of a couple of uh, data or observations or images, and it makes some predictions. But it's static, mm-hmm. you know? And this time with the AI, it's like we're making a prediction in real time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, uh, um, when we play Breakout or when we play Doom, well, each time we have to predict the action we want to play. Yeah. So in a, di- a dynamic way. And so that's the big difference with uh, what happened before. Yeah, so I totally agree. And would you say that, re- like, uh, again, going back to previous year, the example of AlphaGo, mm-hmm. that's AI. Whereas yes. the example of Deep Blue in 1997, I think, when uh, Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov in chess, yes. that was static AI. Like, even though it was exploring stuff, but it had mm-hmm. predetermined rules on how to uh, exactly. like take yes. on situations. Here, everything is stochastic. Yeah. We play our action based on uh, what we call the softmax method, which basically... Uh, uh, makes a distribution of probabilities of the different actions we can play. And then, you know, we take a random draw of this uh, distribution of probabilities and we play the action uh, that most of the time has the highest probability. But thanks to the softmax method, we still explore the other actions. So yep. that's all stochastic. And as you just said, yes, this is a no, uh, not deterministic anymore. Okay, like, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So and now moving on to the, the next uh, step. So after that Q learning, which was like module zero yes. in our course, right? Yes, absolutely. Even though it sounds complex, it was like <laughs> the most basic thing that we covered off. Yes. And but uh, it's important to understand. Yeah, of course. Yes. It, 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 it lays the foundation for everything else yes. inside. Uh, what was the next step? So the next step is uh, therefore module one. That's yes. the self-driving car. And in terms of uh, AI and models, well, that's the first step we enter into the deep uh, learning uh, AI mm-hmm. because uh, we have a neural network. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we start to uh, uh, try to build a brain, yeah. like a human brain. Yeah. And um, that's because in this uh, first brain we make for the self-driving car, and by the way, I think we call the object brain yeah. to represent the AI, that's because it's just a neural network. Yeah. Well, we just have some fully connected layers which are going to take as input an encoded vector describing what's happening in the, in the environment, mm-hmm. and we call it a state of the environment, so that's the input state. Then the signal goes into the neural network, and only in fully connected layers, right? And then the neural network outputs a prediction, mm-hmm. which actually are the Q values. So that's why the Q learning is somehow integrated into D 
deep learning. Mm -hmm. So it outputs the Q values and then based on a softmax technique, as we just uh, spoke of, well, we're going to output an action. It's going to play an action. Yep. Uh, but that's very exciting because that's our first step of trying to make something that looks like a human brain, but only uh, with fully connected layers. It's like with only neurons that have uh, transmissions. Yeah. But then you're going to see what's going to happen in the module two and the module three, we make something that looks more like a human brain and we'll uh, discuss that soon, right? Yeah, just in a second. Yes. Uh, and on this, I actually wanted to mention that, um, so for, for those like of you who are listening, we just want to get a an overview of AI and you have no intention or no plans of getting deep into it right now, maybe in the future sometime. But something to take away from here is the concept of Q-learning. So we've, we've already touched it and Adlan discussed, explained what kind of Q-learning is. It's, uh, it's about like assessing the value of the actions, you know, the potential choices that the AI has, possible actions that it can take in a certain state and assessing their um, the val how valuable each one of them is and then deciding which one to take based on that. Well, in this, in this first module of the course that we just talked about, we are taking that concept of Q-learning, of Q-values, which is, which is a normal concept which has nothing to do with uh, neural networks or deep learning. That's, that's very important to understand. It's just, uh, it's just a way, like it was developed in the, like in the middle of the previous century, mm -hmm. right? By, by Bellman and hence yes. the Bellman equation and so on. So it's very, very old. Yes. The neural networks didn't even exist in there. They came, they came around like in the eighties, seventies, eighties. Um, and, but now in module one, we're combining the two. So we're taking this mechan mechan mechanism of learning through potential values and we're adding a brain which mimics the human brain to that. And what you get is kind of like an AI which you can think of as a child, right? Like when a child learns to walk, you don't give it a set of rules on how to walk. It just like, it, and it's not coded into the DNA. It just basically tries to like do this, tries to get up, tries to fall over, try, and then like it, it just keeps trying different things and eventually the brain uh, restructures itself in a way that it remembers which actions lead to the good results. And ba they, ba they basically what's happening is uh, it's remembering which actions have the best Q values, the high, which are the most valuable actions to achieve this task of getting from you know, the position of sitting down to, to where the mother is sitting or to where the food is or to where the cat is or whatever the baby is mm -hmm. chasing. So that's what we're combining synthetically in, uh, in this first module when we're putting together uh, neural networks and the uh, Q-learning principles. Yes. And um, if uh, some of you are wondering what you know, is this Q-value exactly, how does the neural network know uh, how to uh, uh, output such a Q-value? Well, it's very important to understand that uh, there is a, an important thing next to it, which is a target. Mm. So we have a target. There is a specific equation for the target. It's a specific uh, computation. And the goal is actually, uh, the goal of the neural network is to get the Q-value close to the target, yep. you know, to minimize the difference between the predicted Q-value and the target Q-value. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it's, you know, knowing how to uh, uh, do the computations to compute the Q-values. Yeah, for, for sure. So that, that's, that's a great uh, overview. Of, of Q values and hopefully hopefully if anything if you're going to take anything away from this podcast and you, now you know a bit more about Q values and how, how they operate yes but let's move on let's move on to module 2 what happened after the, the self-driving car yes so, so um, continuing on, on what we said uh, about uh, trying to make a brain that is close to a human brain well in the second module we uh, implement an AI to take the challenge to be Doom yeah. and this time we add a specific feature to this brain 
which are the eyes. Yeah. And that we add them with, with uh, what we call convolutional neural networks. And uh, that's basically, instead of taking as input an encoded vector, it's literally going to take the images, exactly like a human playing a game, watching the game with his own eyes. Yeah. So this time we make a deep reinforcement learning uh, model because uh, this time we had we had a convolutional neural ne uh, network as the first layers of the brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we still had the fully connected layers that come after the convolutional neural uh, network. And, um, and basically we, we, take, uh, we take it to the next level now with, yeah. uh, with those eyes. And um, so that's where we enter into the deep reinforcement learning world. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's because, uh, you know, this time we were playing with eyes. And uh, we get some really good results. Uh, yeah. Actually, the, the last tutorial, the last practical tutorial is very exciting. Because how, how surprised were we there? Yes, we were, uh, not only were surprised and uh, very uh, excited and happy of the results. Yeah. You should look uh, at our faces when we yeah. uh, see the AI, uh, you know. It was uh, so cool. Killing all these monsters. You yes. kill, it's like a corridor and the, the, you, know, you know the game Doom, right, guys? Like it's it's old school game where you have to like kill these monsters and, and, and collect like uh, what you call weapons and go through levels. So there's this like corridor which yes. you, you have to go through and there's like six monsters guarding it. And the AI just like, and at the end is like this uh, vest, right, that you yes. have to get. And so the, the goal AI, is to reach the vest. To reach the vest, right, as fast as possible. But our AI just like, picks up this gun or had this gun and like bam 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 just kills five monsters and gets the rest it kills all the monsters no yeah one, five except, out of six. except one yes yeah it's just crazy yes <laughs> it's just nuts like. yeah yeah you should really look at the look on our yeah, face uh, yeah and when we, we found that yeah that that tutorial by the way we specifically made it like a free preview tutorial so even if you're not inside the ai course you can just head over onto it if you want to check this out and just check out this tutorial it's, it's just worth yes. you know the looks on our faces <laughs> just worth worth seeing it's, it's and cool. besides there is something that happens after uh, this video of the ai killing all these monsters yeah well we're, we're not going to say what it is but uh, we are even more surprised to see it right yeah what was it uh you know in uh, runs Oh yeah, 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 and then and then and then it just like yeah, yeah. smashes the round completely. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's uh, what we uh, learned about the deep convolutional Q learning. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, is there anything else we want to add on that? Uh, no. Well, basically, the important thing is that uh, we adding some uh, eyes to the neural yeah. network. Uh, that is that the AI has eyes, and then it's the same principle. Yeah. It's, I, we just changed the way of um, getting the input. Yeah. And this time it's not an encoded vector, it's uh, literally the input images. Yeah, the input images which then go through a network and then they become like a vector anyway. But yes. we don't like, it's, it's basically, so the, the way we did the self-driving car is kind of like an easier implementation for the AI because it gets information about the state through like uh, coordinates and stuff. Yes. Whereas here it's like the same, like you said, the same exact as a human would see. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So but still, you're right. We have an encoded state yeah. that happens after the convolutional layers. But that's because uh, you know whatever we implement, we still have to uh, have this uh, flattened vector yeah. that becomes the input of fully connected layers that will output the prediction. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's so, like it's like when you see something in real life with your eyes, you see an image, but in reality, your brain is working with electrical signals. Right. Yes. Same I, thing in exactly. the in the uh, AI. Yes. We can uh, maybe add something about eligibility trace, remember? Okay. Uh, so uh, we add a special feature in this uh, module too, uh, you know, because um, actually we tried with a simple deep convolutional learning yeah. model and we didn't uh, manage to uh, solve Doom very uh, at the beginning. 
So then uh, we added this um, uh, algorithm, which is an algorithm of research papers. So speaking of uh, getting our head into the research papers, that's uh, what I mean. What I mean by th by that, there is this uh, algorithm in this research paper that implements what we call eligibility trace or n-step Q-learning, mm. and so that basically means that instead of getting the reward each time and uh, getting the target at each step, we're going to get a cumulative target over 10 steps or even more steps and a cumulative reward. Yep. And so that basically changes the equation. Instead of having an equation at each step, we get uh, some equations at each every 10 steps. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And so, so that you guys don't zone out at this point in time <laughs> when Adlan starts talking about rewards and cumulative stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a bit. Is that okay. cool? Yeah, sure. So... Um, when we talk about reward, because we, we haven't gone into this yet in the podcast, and I want to clear this up. So as your artificial intelligence progresses through an environment, whether it's playing Doom or driving a self-driving car or uh, playing another game or optimizing electricity consumption or, or whatever, whatever it is, it is constantly getting feedback from the environment. It's either getting like good behavior points or it's getting bad behavior points. So it's either getting rewarded or it's getting punished. And based on that feedback, it can understand whether its actions are good or bad. So if it gets a reward from a taking a certain action, for instance, killing a monster in Doom, it gets points and it can see those points. It realizes that, oh, okay, cool, I should do more of that. It's good to kill monsters. Whereas if, for instance, it gets a punishment, for instance, it hel its health goes down when it doesn't kill a monster and the monster shoots it and it doesn't dodge the, the missile, then it realizes that oh, I should do less of that. I should not get in the way of monsters because my health goes down and that's a punishment. And it's very similar to kind of real life. Like if we go back to the example of a baby learning to walk, when it's starting to learn to walk, if it, when it falls over, it hurts itself. And its nervous system, it's, it's, it's ridiculously surprising how the real world is so similar to AI, right? Yes. The nervous system of the baby gives it a bruise and first like it goes purple so that's a signal to the parents probably that something went wrong but if the nervous system of the baby gives it pain in the head right pain is a is a is a concept that is generated inside our bodies it's, it's not nothing more than a, a nervous like an electrical signal in your brain telling you that you have pain in reality it doesn't exist it's something that your brain made up for you to train you to not fall over more. So basically, when a baby falls over, it gets feedback from the environment and from which is incorporated into the, the algorithm, which is its brain, to and it uh, resonates or it turns into pain, and the baby learns that I should not do any more of that. That action which I did, with, I don't know, like uh, putting my right foot on my bum or something while standing on my left foot, uh, leads to falling over, leads to pain. So I'm not going to do any more of that. On the other hand, if it like if it manages to make a step forward, right, it, it doesn't really get much reward. And this is back to eligibility trace. Like from one step forward, you don't get a lot of reward. From two steps forward, you don't get a lot of reward. But if you make 10 steps forward and you catch the cat and pull its tail and it screams and you have fun from that, then, you know, you're getting like reward as that's kind of like eligibility trace. Exactly. And that's how it's more powerful and uh, that's how it managed to solve the doom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, so there we go. That's, that's a little bit of reward for you. So now, you, you know, a bit about Q, Q values and how they're linked to rewards. And uh, now we've also talked about convolutional neural networks. Yes. So now we're moving on to the next one. Module yeah. three. That's so, top, top, top. Okay. So let's recap. In the first module, we just had uh, in the zero, yeah, in the in the zeros module, we just had uh, Q learning, so yeah. no brain. Yeah, we we had no brain. Then the first module, we had a brain, but basically with only neurons. Yeah, right. And the second module, we had a brain with eyes this time. Yeah, eyes with neurons. Yeah. And guess what happens for module three? 
what happens in module three? <laughs> well, in module three, not only with well, not only we have neurons and eyes, but we add a memory. Mm. So you see how we are trying to get closer and closer to a human brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And we add the memory with uh, what we call recurrent neural networks, yeah. and more precisely, LSTM, long short-term memory. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't mean anything, long short-term memory, but that's just the name of the model and basically means that um, you can learn the temporal properties of the input images of what's happening in the environment on long term. Yeah. It's not like a, an instant memory, it's yeah. like a long memory. And uh, so that's very powerful and uh, I was really happy to find out about this because, uh, okay, so not only we have this brain with eyes and memory, but also in the last module we implement one of the state-of-the-art models of, of AI, which is called the A3C. So it's the most powerful AI model you can find right now. And it, we even consider it uh, outdate uh, the deep convolutional learning we had before. So it's super, super powerful, but still the module three had a very, very challenging problem, <laughs> breakout, breakout, which we didn't think of at the beginning. Yeah. Remember in the promo video, we, we say we're gonna try to solve breakout first yeah. because we thought it was the most simple one, but not at all. It was actually the most difficult one. Yeah. And uh, the reason is that uh, we have this tiny ball. So tell us, tell, tell the listeners what breakout is because like breakout? I, until I saw it, I didn't remember. What okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So breakout is an Atari game yeah. and you have basically you have this paddle uh, at the bottom, at the bottom of the screen and you have this ball that you have to, uh, to catch each time you have to, it has to bounce on the paddle yeah. and you have those bricks. Uh, at, at the, the top. top of the at the top of the screen, yeah. And you, your goal is basically to break all the bricks, yeah. But by catching the ball each time, because when the ball is not uh, cut by the paddle, you you lose a life, yeah. And you have three lives in total. So everybody's played this game, yeah. yeah. You, like when you say breakout, no, it's, it's hard I, probably to picture it. But once yes. once Adlan explained it, like you, you remember, you played this game a million times when you were a kid, most likely. Yeah, I'm sure of it. And uh, so in this game, we have this tiny ball. Yeah, that and that's has, what makes it hard, right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, because you can't see it. It's really hard to detect. It's hard to detect. And especially, it's much harder to detect than the big monsters in yeah. Doom. Yeah. So that's why Doom is actually more simple. Interesting. Yes. And uh, not only the ball is tiny, but also it's hard to predict the movement of the ball. Yeah. And besides, sometimes it goes, it goes very fast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's hard for the AI to predict uh, where the ball is going to be. And that's why it was so challenging. And we had to uh, try many models to solve it. I was actually worried at some point because I was uh, <laughs> trying the simple A3C, you know, the common A3C, but that was not enough. We had to add some specific features inside the A3C, uh, and those features were, uh, well, actually the memory, adding yeah. an LSTM in the neural network. And also it was to uh, add uh, entropy. Yeah. It's another thing. And the shared. And the shared model. Yeah. So you, if you uh, take the course, you will see we have this uh, big shared model that will update the weight uh, at the same time for all the agents. And that's how the problem is solved. Yeah. And there is something very special about this model is that it's the implementation that was made by some developers. And one of them is the creator of PyTorch, uh -huh. Adam Paschke, yeah. who is like uh, in the top 10 most influential people in machine learning today. Is he French? Uh, no, I think, I think he's from Poland. Oh, Poland. Okay, yeah. cool. So uh, yeah, very, very, um, but thanks for uh, thinking the French are the best in machine learning. <laughs> I'm flattered. You're just so passionate when you talk about him. You're like, you know, so proud. I thought he has to be French. No, 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 no. I'm just honest with the guy. He's, yeah. uh, he's really, really good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. he made an awesome implementation of the A3C. Yeah. So we had to take it again. We yeah. had to code it again. I mean, it was so interesting yeah. and so technical and so powerful. So 
That's what we implement in the last module. And basically, we have a brain with neurons, eyes, and memory. Yeah. And a lot of uh, specific. Uh, but you features. ran a bit ahead of yourself there when you talked about the three agents. Like, you, t tell us about, you know, you mentioned uh, yes, the A3C. memory and that it's the top of the top. But what about, what about these agents? Why there's like more than one all of a sudden? Okay. So um, let's take the machine learning uh, field. Let's get back to machine learning. Remember, in machine learning, we have two models. Decision trees and random forests. Yeah. Decision tree is like a tree making some predictions. Yeah. You know, it's uh, okay. But then a random forest is a team of decision trees. Yes. And by having a team of decision trees, of course, the predictions are more powerful. You average them out. Yes, you average them out. And uh, basically, yeah, you, you're getting closer to uh, the best prediction because uh, when you work on a team, yeah. of course, you, you play better. Yeah. And that's the same principle for the A through C. This time, instead of having one agent, instead of having one brain, we have several brains. So yeah. We have like a team of brains. And of course, that will work better because we also have this shared um, function, critic. which is the v, v function, the critic, that will uh, keep sort of keep track of which agent is doing best. Yeah. And also getting some information of, um, you know, the, the environment, which state uh, some agents are getting stuck into. So it's very, um, yeah, it's very useful information for the agents. For example, if one agent gets stuck in a state, this information will be contained in the critic uh, V function so that the other agents don't get stuck in the state. And then that one gets unstuck. Yes, yes. Thanks to the other guys. Yes, so basically we have a team now. Yeah. We have uh, several brains. Yeah. So of course you, you make a better, better player. Yeah. I was really surprised that only you know Google just recently thought of that. How come nobody else thought of that before? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this looks natural, especially that uh, random forest exists for a long time. So yeah. why didn't we think of uh, making some kind of random forest AI? Yeah, I think I know the I know the answer. What's I, that? I, I think so. I think it's uh, related to the fact that uh, training an AI is uh, really really compute intensive. Mm. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to train because you take a lot of time to compute the gradient. But then you remember. We uh, in the in the AI course we implement the model with a very power, powerful tool, which is PyTorch, mm -hmm. because it handles what we call the dynamic graph. Basically, it has a dynamic graph which contains some variables all attached with a gradient, mm -hmm. and basically it allows us to compute some very uh, compute-intensive calculus of the gradient in a very short time. Yeah, yeah. So that's very powerful. You can backpropagate the signal. So backpropagating the signal meaning that we compute a gradient to update the weights to improve the predictions yeah. and reduce the losses. And basically those gradients are now computed in like super fast, mm -hmm. super fast. So you get some super fast training, uh, much more, uh, much faster than what we had before. And that's how, thanks to that, we can even train a couple of agents um, much, much faster, which we couldn't do before. Mm, that's cool. And you, you mentioned dynamic graph. Tell us a bit more. What's a dynamic graph? Okay, dynamic graph. So dynamic graph is like a graph of um, some uh, which we, what we call torch variables. Yeah. And each of these variables, so it's like a tensor. Yeah. Each of these are tensors. A tensor is like an array, yeah. an array of a single type, an advanced array. Yeah. Well, each of like these, a matrix. Yes. Well, each of these uh, tensors is attached to a gradient. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these variables that contain a tensor and a gradient are in a dynamic graph. And it's, um, it's like structured in such a way that when we have to compute the gradient of composition functions, well, thanks to the graph, the gradient of these composition functions will be computed very fast, very, yeah. very, very quickly. Uh, otherwise, you know, you would have to, you would have some huge computations. Yeah. If you have to compute the gradient of 
of some uh, composition functions, you know, because you have several layers and therefore you have uh, one layer that is a function of the previous layer, which is a function of the previous layer. So computing the gradient of all this, the composition function, would, be, would lead to huge calculations. Mm -hmm. But thanks to this dynamic graph and the way it is structured, well, the gradient is computed very quickly. He's drawing a graph with his fingers, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do it for myself. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, um, and, and so PyTorch has that, but TensorFlow doesn't have that. Exactly. TensorFlow doesn't have that, but I think they're working on it. They're working. And that's why Jan LeCun yes. says PyTorch rocks. Right? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Jan LeCun. Uh, imagine um, Jan LeCun's listening to this. Oh my God. Okay. So I have to say what he said. Uh, he made a post on uh, Facebook. I think it was yeah. Facebook. Uh, he was comparing TensorFlow and PyTorch. Yeah. And uh, he said with a very simple answer, TensorFlow cannot handle dynamic graphs. Yeah. And that said everything. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, Jan LeCun is one of the uh, forefront developers, or, or not developers, like pioneering researchers in AI. And uh, he works in Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> he works in Facebook and Facebook develops PyTorch. So he, right? Facebook develops PyTorch? That's right, with NVIDIA and a couple of other. Yeah. So you got like two competing schools of thought. You got Google with their. TensorFlow, which is very hyped and which is very popularized and, and they have lots of videos and lots of people have heard about them. And it's uh, and it's also, it's, its advantage is that it has Keras, right, which makes it very easy to use for, especially yes. for beginners. And that's why we used uh, TensorFlow in our deep learning course. Yes, but so you could uh, definitely not uh, do some AI with Keras. Mm. Definitely not. But yeah, so yeah, but it's easy to start. It's easy to learn AI yes, through yes. Keras. Yeah. And, and then PyTorch is just more advanced in, in what it can do. Yes, but um, I'm sure yeah, Google is working on a very powerful implementation of uh, these dynamic graphs for TensorFlow. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do such amazing things at DeepMind and Magenta. Yeah. You know, Magenta uh, Magenta is like uh, working on these uh, projects, like making some music yeah, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Arnens. Yeah, I and that they're making uh, great music, like a couple of notes, but still, that's great music. Uh, with um, with uh, well, well with TensorFlow, they yeah. want to keep TensorFlow. They're not using PyTorch. Oh, interesting. Yes, and uh, so basically, they're uh, implementing some uh, some uh, deep learning models, some very powerful deep learning models for that. Okay, cool. Well, I think that sums up the uh, overview of the course and what yeah. what we did there. Uh, let's let's talk a bit more about like careers. Hopefully, you know, we'll wake some of our listeners up that dozed off <laughs> twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Tell us about. Uh, like why why AI? Why would somebody listening to this podcast who's interested in a career in data science or in changing to a career in data science and you know that's that's all they wanted to hear about switching this episode on about data science, why should they consider artificial intelligence as a potential future next step? Simply because AI is becoming one of the major branch of data science. Mm. And we, we already heard that, that, uh, you know, uh, machine learning is uh, the center, uh, the branch center of data science. But AI is taking uh, a higher and higher place in uh, this data science world. And uh, now there is even the AI job, you know, mm. uh, AI engineer. Mm -hmm. And before we didn't have that, like... Uh, one or two years ago, we didn't have this. Mm -hmm. So that's because, um, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, uh, AI can solve amazing real-world challenges. Yeah. So, of course, that's becoming a super important job because you can solve these amazing uh, problems with these amazing solutions. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, I really encourage to um, go deep uh, into AI because uh, you will definitely uh, make the world a better place with this. 
as long as uh, you know it doesn't go too far and uh, you will uh, definitely uh, solve some exciting uh, problems and uh, making the world a better place. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. And so AI is, is coming and do you think that it, will it always be this hard? Like, no, I wouldn't say hard, but you know, we what we are doing in this course, the mm -hmm. forefront of AI, it's very complex, right? Mm -hmm. Is it are listeners going to have to delve into something as complex as we discuss, or is AI going to become simpler over time for people to use? I'm sure AI will become simpler over time. It's exactly like what happened for machine learning. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, we only had these uh, from scratch implementation of machine learning, so that was very overwhelming. You had to understood uh, understand all the lines of code and you had to understand the heart of the models how it works all the mathematics behind them uh, but then there were the libraries so like scikit-learn or keras yeah. you know so that today everybody can implement and use some machine learning models very quickly in a couple of lines of code yeah for ai we don't have that right now mm -hmm. but i'm sure we will have it very soon with some super uh, performing libraries of AI where you only need to implement a few lines of code and you know just uh, understand how you need to structure your inputs and uh, what outputs you need to, uh, to, 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 you know, to return. Because uh, basically when you think about this, uh, if we don't consider the heart of the model, well, we, didn't, we only need to understand uh, what inputs we need to um, input and uh, what are the rewards and what are the actions. Yeah. You know, that would be the only input and then you can solve the problem. Yeah. So that's what I think we'll uh, we will eventually have with AI. Gotcha. And so I'm, that everybody can use it. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that would be fantastic if if everybody can use it for for good. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> I, I got a quote here from Andrew and Andrew Inge, right? Andrew Inge. Yes. <laughs> Basically, he was a taught, was a lead research uh, researcher for Baidu, and he used to work at Google before with Jeffrey Hinton. I think he was like one of Jeffrey Hinton's students or something like that. And then went to Baidu, and now he's doing his own thing. And he's also the founder of Coursera. So yes, yeah. and uh, he's definitely uh, in the top three or top five uh, most yeah. influential people in machine learning. Everybody knows he's a machine learning course. Yeah, and so he said recently, um, not so long ago, that AI is the new electricity. Yes, what, I agree. Agree? I agree. With what, that. what do you think of that? Yeah, it's the next electricity, or we can even say the next uh, industrial revolution. Yeah, because it's the yeah it's the new thing that uh, makes the world a new uh, revolution. Mm. Uh, you know, solving uh, some uh, problems that were impossible to solve a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like uh, the new big step of the world. I think I I totally agree with him. Yeah. It's this new technology, this new uh, industrial revolution. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna really revamp how everything everything works like and it's a good analogy right before electricity everybody thought they had figured figured it out businesses yes. were working trade yes. was happening yes. countries were flourishing and then electricity came along mm. and you know what what is it like uh, 10 20 years later mm -hmm. everybody was using electricity because yes. who wasn't using electricity was way behind like yes. way behind and now in 10 years everybody will be using ai mm -hmm. either to uh, either at home or yeah. either for at work yeah for sure yeah. and and then, like, and then on the op, on the flip side, right? You mentioned uh, even in your in this podcast already that uh, AI. Go too far. Yeah, it shouldn't go too far. Yes. Tell us more about that. Yes. Well, imagine that uh, because okay, when we talk about AI, there is weak AI yeah. and strong AI. That's a very important distinction to understand. Weak AI is just an AI that doesn't have a conscience. Yeah. And strong AI is an AI that has a conscience. Yeah. Imagine the world becomes populated with 
strong AIs yeah. that all have a conscience. Yeah. Well, that could end up into a war zone. Yeah. Because imagine the AI, uh, you know, gets con um, a, a conscious of itself and uh, makes some kind of a plan to, uh, I don't know, do something on the humanity. Yeah. That could totally be possible. Uh, if you guys have seen the Ex Machina movie, mm -hmm. well, that's a great example of a strong AI because it has a conscience uh, and uh, it basically... Uh, it basically does something not good for uh, humans in the end of the movie. I'm not going to it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not ruin the movie. And yeah. if you haven't seen that movie yet, you have to see it because we yes, we, definitely we've already recommended it a couple. That's of a times. great example of strong AI and uh, a great example of uh, the threat of AI. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm just trying to on my laptop bring up uh, Ray Kurzweil predictions. I wanted, I wanted to look at that because Ray Kurzweil predictions. So let's have a look at that. Mm -hmm, Futurism.com, I think. Mm. There we go. So if you're, if you're listening um, to this, we're looking at futurism.com and there just look up the dawn of the singularity. It's uh, predictions by Ray Kurzweil. If you know, do you know Ray Kurzweil? Yes. Yeah. So this, this is a futurist who's been making predictions since like the 80s. Mm -hmm. And and his only and his prediction rate is like astonishingly eighty three percent correct. That's amazing. And, and he predicted things like the iPad, yeah. you know, back in the eighties or, or whenever. And so here is a really cool infographic. And so what it's saying is like how this how AI is going to come to the world. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna look through all of them, but one of them which really is scary. Scary is mm -hmm. uh, so by twenty twenty nine, artificial intelligence claims to be conscious and mm. openly petition for recognition of this fact. There we go. We have strong AI by twenty twenty nine. Crazy, That's right? Really Petitioning scary. for themselves. Yes. Then uh, by twenty forty, non biological intelligence is now billions of times more capable than biological intelligence. Then what is next? Uh, 2099, what organic human beings are a small minority of the intelligent life forms on earth wow. by 2099. So if you're, if you're listening to this, by the time your kids are grown up, uh, protect them. Yeah, protect. <laughs> they should be on Mars or yes. somewhere. Like, what, what do you think of all this? Do you think this is this is going to happen? Well, what I'm thinking right now is that I'm really happy we didn't go up to module four by adding <laughs> a conscience to our AI because it would have destroyed the course. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, you know, this is scary. I'm pretty scared about this, but mm. uh, I'm sure we'll do the necessary, you know, and it will uh, go up to the government level, the political level, yeah, uh, to. Um, you know, set up a control of the AI. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, uh, you know, the, he, if his predictions are right, yeah. as his previous predictions were pretty correct, well, uh, we must do something about this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, we will have to go to Mars, as you just yeah. said. Yeah, interesting. But nevertheless, this doesn't defeat the point that you should study AI, whether you're going to study yes. it to build it or to protect from it or to control, to control it, it yes. to govern it. Yes. The knowledge, it's, the, it's going to be the, the central question for the whole human race within mm -hmm. 5, 10, 15 years from now. And, you know, get on the train early. Like, fi fi yeah. find out for yourself how you can contribute to making the world a better place through artificial intelligence rather than letting it just, like, cause havoc and, and do its own thing. Absolutely, yes. Okay. So I think we'll finish off on that note. Yes, it's actually a good note to finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the world, the world is safe and uh, everything will be good. Yes, thanks to you guys. Yeah, and yeah, watch X Machina.
Yeah, sure. watch Ex Machina yeah. for sure. Okay. All great right. movie. Thanks a lot, Adlan, for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, as always, a great, uh, yeah. this great is, time. This is episode number three, right? Yes. Yeah, you have all, approximately 30,000 downloads already on your previous two wow. total. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, looking forward to number four. Yes, what it's going to be about. Yeah, we'll looking find forward. out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay, thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Thanks.